The Lowell Green Podcast is brought to you by Shield Furniture and Appliances in Packingham. See shields.ca. Enough discussion about COVID, okay? I think a lot of you will agree. So I am declaring this show today a national COVID-free zone. Woo! Yay! (laughs) Something entirely different. I don't know if it'll work. It depends on whether people take part or not. Grandparent stories. You know what? In 60-some-odd years of broadcasting, I don't think I've ever tried this before. Your favorite grandparent story Mm. or memory, okay? Because in many cases, our grandparent stories are, they're a window into the kind of lifestyle that few people today could even possibly imagine. Now, I'm going to start. It's my show, so I get to start with, I think, one of the most incredible stories, and it's a true story. Every single every single word of it is true. In fact, I'm, I'm really only sort of skirting around the outskirts of, of what this story really entails. My story centers around a New Year's tradition that existed in the Green family for many, many years. The tradition of eating rabbit, preferably jackrabbit for New Year's dinner or New Year's Eve. So let me start the story. Long time ago, the spring of 1914. The uh, World War I has not yet started, but it is certainly brewing. It breaks out in what, July of 1914. So it's early spring, 1914. Henry and Mabel Green, my grandparents, (coughs) excuse me, are sent to the tiny community, believe it or not, of Rollo, Saskatchewan, where they've been promised a fine farm and a fine home. Yeah, that's the same Rollo where many decades later, film crews showed up and shot the TV favorite show, Corner Gas. But I'm going to tell you, in 1914, there was no corner, there was no gas, and there sure as hell wasn't any film crew. My grandmother... Mabel Green, my two-year-old father, Henry, or Gordon, as he becomes known, is in tow. He's about two years old at that time in uh, in 1914. And uh, my grandmother, in addition to having my two-year-old father in tow, uh, she is seven months pregnant. She heads west by herself aboard a colonist train. Now, um, I've got a, a brief description of this train from her. She, she remembers quite well. There would be a stove at the, don't forget this is early spring, it's very cold. A stove at the rear of every car during which uh, she would heat up milk for the baby. And uh, she would sleep at night. They would lay boards across the back, the backs of the seats and lay boards across there. And then people would sleep on those boards. That's <clears throat> the way it was. <laughs> 1912. She had to pay for that. She can't remember. I remember talking to her. She doesn't remember what she paid, but it wouldn't have been very much, maybe a dollar or two. After three days or thereabouts, she arrives in Rollo expecting to find this really nice, nice farm. (coughs) Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. The old throat's giving out here. Uh, She expects to find a, a grand farmhouse, but it's not what she finds. What she finds instead is a filthy, what used to be, chicken house. Now, don't forget, she's got a two-year-old and she's seven months pregnant (laughs) all by herself. So what does she do? 
Well, as she said, I just set out and I started to clean. And uh, knowing my grandmother, Mabel, I imagine that she did a hell of a job cleaning up that old chicken house. My grandfather, you'll know, you wonder where he was. Well, he didn't have the money for the colonist train. Be it a dollar, two, or two or three, or whatever it was. He didn't have it. So he took a job, believe it or not, feeding and watering a box boxcar load of horses. There would be about four horses in the boxcar with him. He had to sleep on the hay or straw or whatever it was along with the horses. His job was to feed and water the horses during the entire trip, which took about four days. Now, this is a lot tougher than it sounds because uh, many of the streams and lakes on the way, particularly through northern Ontario, were still frozen. So he would have, they would stop the train. It was a, a predetermined places, stop the train. My grandfather would get out and he had a fire axe. Down the slope he would go to a stream or lake, cut a hole in the ice with buckets, bring buckets of water. Horses drink a lot of water and lug those, those buckets of water up. And he would do this twice a day, okay, for three or four days to water the horses. That's how he paid his way. So he arrives in Rollo. Once again, I mean, obviously, we didn't have cell phones in those days. Didn't have phones, for that matter. So he has no idea what he's confronted with, but it's it's a hell of a mess. But uh, his his job is to, as quickly as possible, they, there was a team of horses there for them, thank good. I think it was three horses that he had been left there. Uh, so he immediately sets to tilling the soil. So this is Don't forget, this is Rollo, Saskatchewan, between what, Moose Jaw and Weyburn, it's in the middle of nowhere. Now, today, there's there's some settlements around. In those days, this, there were miles from any other settlement, miles from a neighbor, for that matter. So he sets to work, plowing, while Mabel continues to clean the house and look after, uh, after the baby. And in two months' time, uh, my Aunt Genevieve is born. So now she's got two youngsters. So my, my grandfather spends most of the summer then plowing and planting and getting it, my, my, my grandmother is planting a vegetable garden because they need provisions for the winter, right? They got to, you know, in those days you had to can and she would preserves and so forth, but you had to get them out of the garden. You had to look after yourself. Well, that's bad enough. That's difficult enough. But in the fall, my grandfather breaks his leg. He is thus unable, and, and there's no doctor anywhere. So Mabel, young woman, young mother, does the best she can, she sets the leg, uses some wood and for splints and so forth, sets the leg, and by the way, does a hell of a job because, you know, when he recovers, he doesn't even have a limp for the rest of his life. But he can't do any work. He, you know, he's, there's, there's almost nothing he can do. So she has to set out to harvest whatever she can, get into the garden, do the clan, the whole thing, and look after two children. And it's so she realizes that... They don't have enough provisions to get through the winter. Four people, they got to feed four people during the winter. Doesn't have enough. They're, they're, she's afraid they're going to starve to death. But she has one skill. Well, she has many skills, but she has a skill that saved them. She is a very good shot. They have a 22, an old 22 rifle, which, by the way, was still around for many years. So during the, during the summer, in a moment or two, she was there were prairie chickens everywhere. You could almost throw a rock up into the air and bring down a prairie chicken. So she shot a lot of prairie chickens, and they would salt them and preserve some of those for the winter. But primarily, and then in the winter, she shot jackrabbits. 
Thank God there were all kinds of jackrabbits, but she became very proficient and would go out, get a jackrabbit or two, cook it up, and that would be the meal for the day pretty well. So she kept them alive uh, the entire winter shooting jackrabbits. This is, it may not be typical of what our grandparents did, but it's fairly typical of, of what many people had to endure during those days. Certainly if you were settling in the West, that's what it was. So um, years late, come, come spring, by this time my grandfather is pretty well recovered. They get the hell out of Rollo, believe me. And uh, so many years, for many, many years, uh, and this by this time they're in Arthur, Ontario, which is where I spent a good part of my, my boyhood in Arthur, Ontario. Ever-growing family, they eventually had eight children. And um, so every New Year's, the tradition would be we would have jackrabbit for either New Year's Eve dinner or more likely on New Year's Day. And how would we get the jackrabbit? Well, my Uncle Cecil was a very good shot. <clears throat> and he, <clears throat> he utilized me. Uh, some time ago, John, I, I showed you my skill uh, howling like a, like a wolf. Yes. I, I, had, I had one of the few skills I had as a little boy was I got howl like a wolf. It's very good. For those who missed it, it's very good. <laughs> so anyway, uh, what would happen? Cecil was pretty smart. He went right behind our, our farmhouse was the railway track, and of course it was well plowed. So Cecil with the shotgun would walk down the railway track, and he'd send me around into the woods howling, oh! and the, the rabbits don't like wolves, and so they would come running out of the woods across the railway oh. track, bam, <laughs> Uncle Cecil, not having to, uh, but I'm up to snow to my chest, okay? In some cases, probably up to my neck and snow, but I'm young and stupid and strong. So Cecil would, and we'd get two or three jackrabbits. Back we would come. My other two uncles, Willard and Order, they had to clean the jackrabbit. I uh, I just basked in the glory of of howling like the wolf. So for many many years, this was a a, a tradition in our house. Uh, it 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 died off actually when my grandfather finally died at nine at age ninety eight. By the way, um, and for uh, when I had to uh, as, as a father, as a young father. I tried to uh, convince my two uh, daughters that we should have rabbit for uh, for New Year's, but they would have nothing. Ugh, ugh. There was no way because they they had rabbits as pets, so there was no way we could have rabbit. I'm going to have uh, duck. I'm going to try duck this year. Uh, I got some great recipes for duck. I'm going to try it. My wife's picking up a fresh duck today, apparently. But I think next year, if I'm still around, uh, I think I'm going to go back to rabbit. Uh, you can still buy some rabbit. So uh, that, there's my, my grandparents' story, folks. Uh, this is just the, the kind of life that many, you know, years later, when my grandfather was in his 90s and still very sharp, and I, I, I sat down with him because I, I wrote some stories about him, and um, which, by the way, I, I actually got paid for in some cases, which is really the only way to go. <laughs> but I said, Dad, because we all called him Dad, how, like, how did you do that? I mean, how could you do that? You know, and like having to go down the, the hills and chop through the ice. And he looked at me surprised as if it was a, I was asking a silly question. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, that's just what you had to do. Yep. That's just what you had to do. 
And they did. If you wanted to live, if you wanted to stay alive, that's what you had to do. There was no unemployment insurance. There was no welfare. If you lived in a remote area, there was no doctor, uh, et cetera. So that's, that's my story. And John, you, you've got a story. Uh, which I understand you want to do. You want to tell us as well. Sure, but, but we're we're welcome, folks. If you've got some stories or memories that you'd yeah. like to share, please. We've never tried this before. Let's see if it works. John, yours. Uh, well, I, I I will save mine because I think we've got some great ones here from our listeners. Um, oh, good. Yeah, good. And, a, and a text from Barry at 613-413-2217. He's right. He says, family stories are long and good to remember so long as you're not talking about your mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> and I best be careful because I know that my mother-in-law listens and loves your show. Hello, Barb. Uh, Chrissy says, when I was a little girl and my granny Lillian were looking at white gooses, I was about four, I remember it like yesterday, I started quacking at them and they took off after us. And my granny and I started running pretty fast and she got me into my car seat so fast because I was scared. Yeah, I think uh, uh, the appropriate word is geese. There's no such word as gooses. I believe you're right. <laughs> Okay, but yeah, actually, that's 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 interesting because uh, geese. Well, and some of you people have experienced this with Canada geese, oh, uh, particularly nasty. particularly the males, uh, they, the drakes. They can be they can be quite vicious. Yes, and uh, I think most farms had probably one or two uh, drakes, male male geese out there that would chase you around. No question, uh, John. Uh, Yep. Got somebody somebody had a pet rooster? What's Lillian this? had a pet rooster and slept on a hay bed for years, she says. Not a memory of her grandparents, but there you go. She had a pet rooster nonetheless. Um, a lot of people commenting that your wolf howl is fantastic. Another person saying Thank it you. actually made their Google speaker react. So there you go. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Patricia says, my grandmother had two governesses. One insisted she do cursive writing one way. The other one insisted she do cursive writing another way. No one could read her writing. I took a letter to her so she could tell me what she had written, and even she could not read her own handwriting. Did she become a doctor? Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> or someone who writes into the Lowell Green show often and makes me have to read it? I digress. Grandparents' stories and memories. Uh, John, uh, we got some more here? Yeah, we do. Uh, Christy says, New Year's Day at Grandparents' Farm. Tradition was family dinner with goose or duck. They raised chickens for a living in Mount Hope, Ontario. Great memories of that, says Chrissy. Uh, Jules says, New Year's Day, my grandfather insisted that we have spaghetti and meatballs. He would say the long noodles are the year ahead, and the meatballs was us rolling through life. I miss him. <laughs> nice. Uh, Lowell, my Google Nest just came to life when you howled. There's Terry on Twitch. Uh, Sam Ford says, my father's parents were deaf mute. We learned signing a bit, but was interesting to look back. And Craig is in to say, my grandfather set a campfire every night at the cottage where all the cousins, likely over 20 of us, would sing campfire songs. Even though we had many fires, some days he would burn twigs and leaves in an oil barrel. If you have ever been near one of these fires, you'd know the smell. Many years later, while I was digging footings for a new building north of Edmonton, an old fellow was burning twigs and leaves in an oil barrel nearby. It brought back such good old memories. Memories of burning oil. Okay. Of burning oil. So my grandparents lived in Winnipeg, Lowell. Yes. And I grew up hearing stories of my dad talking about how he came home with a football injury. And his dad, who was military, uh, would look at him and say, suck it up, son, suck it up, suck it up. No, but my shoulder really hurts, dad. And his father would rub liniment oil on the injury for weeks until 
his friend and Air Force buddy, Dr. Sandy Watson, who used to be uh, the head of the eye clinic uh, at the Sandy, Civic. Yes, yeah, Sandy yes. was my eye doctor. I used to go to him, and he'd, now, Jim, let me tell you stories about your grand This deep, beautiful voice scared the hell out of me. And, you know, but anyway, he knew the family. So he was over one night for dinner. And took, you know, take a look at the boy, if you would, please. He's saying his shoulder hurts. And Sandy has my dad take his shirt off. Dear God, Arnold, the boy's got a broken clavicle. Get him to the hospital now. My dad had broken his collarbone in four places. Oh, really? And there was was still... (laughs) So these are the stories I grew up with, not knowing my grandparents. One March break, I decide to fly out to Winnipeg. I need to meet these folks. And I get to Winnipeg right away, meet my grandmother. And, like, if you're going to cast somebody in the role of a grandmother... My grandmother, Rita Milky, was that person. Redhead, beautiful cheeks, just happy, happy. She and I got along great. My grandfather. Got an apron. Where's an apron? Yep. Yep. Mrs. Claus, essentially, with red hair. And my grandfather, very, very quiet. Um, The kind of man, exactly, you know, as I was told, uh, you don't get out of bed in the morning and go for a pee and expect to climb back into bed. Once you're up, you make the bed first, and then you go pee, and then you start your day. Okay. So not barely a word was spoken. My grandfather finally one day says, boy, how would you like to go to the mall with your old granddad? And I thought, fantastic. <laughs> Here we go. How old, how old were you at the I, time? 14 maybe, 15. Okay. So, so this is the big day. Yep. You're going out with grandpa to the mall. Yep. So we're driving down the Pembina Highway, and I'm looking over there, and I can see the football field. I was a Rough Rider fan. I knew he was a big Bombers fan. I said, oh, is that where the Bombers play football? He didn't even take his eyes off the road. He says, does that look like where the Bombers play football? Sir, yes, sir. (laughs) Not a word was spoken, but I'm excited. We're going to the mall. I'm going to have such a great time finally getting to know my grandfather. We get to the Polo Park Plaza. My grandfather hands me a square piece of paper. It's got a quarter tape to it and his phone number written on it. He says, here, call me when you're done. (laughs) <laughs> so, so what what would he do go go to do i have no idea off you know off doing his kiwanis club stuff or whatever the hell but i didn't call him for hours because unbeknownst to them there were two radio stations that operated out of polo park plaza at the time and i was this kid growing up hell bent on radio so i spent the day hanging out at city fm bugging them <laughs> and did, finally, you ever, did you ever spend the 25 cents? oh yeah I, I eventually called him but i told the story to my uncle uh, years later, who laughed and laughed and laughed, and he says, "Oh, he says if that isn't my father, he says, <laughs> he says I remember going out there for our six for their sixtieth wedding anniversary, you know, and at the time my grandfather would have been fifty five, fifty six years old. He says, you know, and I get up in the morning and there's there's Rita making up all the ba- you know bacon and eggs, and she says, Brian, how many pieces of bacon would you like? And Brian says, I, I I'd like three. And he says, my dad turns around and says, you'll have one and you'll like it. (laughs) He says, and mom, for the first time, he says, God love her. For the first time ever, she turned to him and she snapped and she said, Arnold, the boy is 56 years old. If he wants three pieces of bacon, damn it, he can have three pieces of bacon. Those are my grandparents. Oh, great. Good stories. I have to to tell you a little story about my other grandfather. This is my... My mother's father, David Wayneman. I spent uh, two or three years living with them in Aurelia. Um, th- this uh, this was a very religious household, okay, and uh, it was his second. His first wife had died, and he was married to another woman who was very, very religious, and used to sing hymns in the morning in the most god awful voice you can <laughs> possibly imagine. Oh, a shriek! She would wake me every morning singing. Uh, anyway, but. My, my grandfather, David, 
loved to read. And he loved, there was a lot of novels, racy sort of novels, okay? But very often the cover, the front cover would be pretty racy. Like mm -hmm. there'd be, you know, like bosom rippers and so forth. Yep. So he, he didn't, my Aunt Lila never read. So he would take, and he would rip the front cover off. The book. <laughs> okay, so... And she, <laughs> so that she wouldn't see this picture of the bosoms or whatever it was. And so Aunt Lala once in a while would say, now, David, what are you reading? Oh, he says, it's a Bible story. <laughs> Which is about as close to lying as he ever got. I, this is my grandma. I tell you, and we'll move on. But my grandfather, Wayman, I never heard him swear once. The closest he ever came, we were walking. I don't know what happened. He was putting the harness on a horse, and the horse kicked him. We're out in the barn, and the horse kicked him and knocked him right back. Boom! Hit him right in the chest. And he's got this. So there he is, and he's got the, the harness has sort of fallen all down him, and he's turning it. it darn! Darn? <laughs> darn. <laughs> That's as close darn he says he can hardly breathe but anyway that's grandparent stories we gotta we have to get a, a story it's not a story here about shield uh i told you they've got some great boxing week sales folks check them out uh proudly serving ottawa the valley since 1946 www.shields.ca says the website and if you go to actually you know electronics mattresses furniture whatever but if you go to appliances what they specialize in you're going to see a wonderful assortment there in stock which means now i i can't guarantee that they could i mean we're, we're getting close to new year's now but certainly there's not going to be a long day they'll have they'll have your 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 appliance there when you want it folks believe me and if they tell you that it's going to be there on thursday or friday or whatever that's when it will be prices check the prices you will see some great savings shields dossier not only that you're dealing with local people Good people. John, any more texts or anything coming in here? Anybody responding? Yeah. Speaking of Shields, uh, a friend of mine, Christine, posted, uh, sent me this last night. She had a friend on Facebook saying, fridge shopping sucks. No one has inventory. Really don't want to fix a 15-year-old fridge again. She says, I've been hearing about this place on the Lowell Green Show, Shields.ca. So they're spreading Good. the word on behalf of your... And I hope Good. that works out. We'll follow up on that. Um, I'm shopping in the new year for new furniture. Great. Thank you, says Lillian. Uh, play stories, guys. Love it, says Mike. There you go. We're not getting any stories from folks other than the ones we've already heard, but they're enjoying the ones we're telling, apparently. All right. I have to, uh, I, I have to tell you a little story about myself as a grandparent. Oh, okay. Um, Samantha, my, my granddaughter, my eldest granddaughter, uh, is about two, very precocious little girl. And I don't remember all of the details. All I know is, is that I, I was in charge of her this afternoon, okay, after the show at CFRA. So um, because my wife's car has the baby seat, we change cars. So I've got Debbie's car and she's got my car. So the baby seat is there and I, I pull into the, to the driveway here. And little Sam is, is sitting there in the baby seat. I go back. I have no idea how to, how to unlock this damn thing. Okay. I have no idea. I'm fiddling around. I'm getting a little upset. And Sam just says, she's two, remember, just looks at me, pushes something. <laughs> okay. That's it. Uh -huh. So that, that's fine. We've got her out. Then she says, Papa, got to go popo. <laughs> got to, okay. Mm -hmm. Got to go popo. Mm -hmm. So I said, now, honey. 
Wait until we get into the house, okay? You know your your, your toilet train now. Okay, Papa. Okay. So then I realize I Debbie's got my my car. She's got my keys. I don't have a key to get into my own house. So she by this time she's she's getting pretty desperate. I say, Oh my god, I gotta get her in the house. So I smashed the front door, which is still smashed <laughs> no. by the way, to get in. It's if you, if you come in the front door, you'll see it doesn't work properly. Is that why it anyway. doesn't close properly? <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. Smashed it. That's so anyhow, I get there and I'm too late. Oh, no. Oh, it is not a pretty sight. Okay. Not a pretty sight. But anyhow, I grandparent through it, get stripped the clothes off or everything. I go into the bathroom, turn the shower on, set her down, you know, standing there under the shower. <clears throat> she looks up at me. She looks down, looks up at me again. I look down. I haven't removed her socks. She's standing there in the shower with her socks on. So it's a story that, uh, <laughs> that she has repeated many times to me, believe me. Uh, yes. So isn't that a shame? That's what I was worried about. So uh, we don't know. Nobody else has any uh, any story. That's uh, jo too bad. Joshua you know? just saying, you know, a strong relationship with grandparents is so valuable for children's and maintaining old school values. Yeah, but you know it what? I, I, these are stories that I think should yep. be shared. You know, though, it's, Lowell, it's, I, think, I think in fairness, typing a story of your grandparents into, you know, a, a place like Facebook, et cetera, is more difficult. I wish people would pick up the phone and tell these stories. Yep. Well, we got. Um, we're 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 going to move. We're going to move on here. Oh, by the way, Leanne, who is Sam's mother, I guess just she's just laughing along. This. Yeah, she's laughing. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, Sam and her socks. All right. Well, listen, folks, we're going to sign off a little early. Sure. Thank you all. We'll be back tomorrow. The Lowell Green Show is seen and heard live around the world at 2 p.m. Eastern. Connect with us online at blasttheradio.com slash Lowell Green. Can't join us live? Download the Lowell Green podcast. Available on Apple, Spotify, Google, and more. Ask your smart speaker to play the Lowell Green podcast. This is a production of blasttheradio.com.